You're listening to Metal Matters, a weekly gimme radio podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hill. If you like metal, punk, hardcore, or anything extreme, you've come to the right place. So subscribe and never miss out. Hello, everybody. Before we get started, I just want to thank everyone who's been sharing the episodes. It really means a lot to me. I see you out there sharing these things, and I'm really excited. It means to me that you guys are enjoying this, and you're thinking enough of this show to let other people know about it. And once again, thank you. It's much appreciated. This week's guest, Ryan Patterson, is somebody that I've known for, damn, over 25 years. That's a long time to know somebody. I've been a fan of Ryan's music ever since I met him. Prior to doing Photo Crime, he was in a band called Coliseum, which has records out on Relapse, Level Plane, Death Wish, and Temporary Residence. They've toured the world. If you haven't seen them, you definitely missed out. They're one of the best live bands I've ever seen. Ryan's new band, Photo Crime, is a departure from the brutal, ferocious punk rock intensity of Coliseum. He's taken a very different approach to his new music. Ryan and I are great friends. This conversation was really easy. I look forward to every time I get a chance to talk to Ryan. He was a guest on my other podcast, Everything Went Black. If you're not familiar with that, you can find that pretty much anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And if you like this interview, check out the interview we did on Everything Went Black earlier this year. It was great seeing you in Denver, albeit for a sort of abbreviated uh, visit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it gets things get crazy sometimes. They get a little chaotic. And um, I just wish we had more time to spend together. Yeah, I agree, man. Yeah, it was good to see you in Denver, and it was very quick. Like, the whole experience of, like, flying into a show and playing and trying to see people and everything is just, like, kind of head-spinning. So I was happy we got a minute at yeah. least. More importantly, or equally as important, I got a chance to see you perform live, which is something that I've failed to do up until that point. And uh, I quite enjoyed the show. I thought it was amazing, and it lived up to all of my expectations that I had for seeing Photo Crime play live. Awesome. That's, that's awesome. That's great to hear. Yeah, totally. I mean, I've known you for over 25 years, I think, at this point, or at least 20 years. Seems like it. Yeah, I'd say so. And... um you know, I've been very, um, you know, I've been a fan of all the musical output that you've done. And I think that with each thing that you've done, there's been like a different sort of take on it, but it still sounds like your own voice. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that's good to hear. Yeah. And, uh, and that, and, you know, photo crime being your, your newest endeavor, I feel still has your, 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 Ryan Patterson characteristic, but it's definitely like a different uh, look compared to the other bands that you've done. Uh, but before we get into all that stuff, uh, this gig that we were talking about was the Electric Funeral Festival out in Denver, Colorado, which was uh, primarily a, a doom, you know, doom metal sort of uh, thing. And yeah. uh, Photo Crime is definitely not in that genre. So how was that? to be playing, um, you know, a festival that, uh, you know, may or may not have, you know, it was, it was questionable whether or not they would have gotten what you were doing or appreciated what you were doing. Yeah. I mean, it actually worked out really well. I think 
I think me being like the only, you know, totally different band from everything else was actually worked out really well for me. You know, like I, I think it seemed like a, people were stoked to see something different and um, I got a lot of reaction from the show. I think, I think probably more than I, well, certainly more than I would have if it had just been like a day of all post-punk bands, you know? Yeah. So um, I thought it was cool. Like that, that actually was my favorite time ever in Denver. I feel like I got a little more of a vibe of like the people there and then everybody at the club I played was cool. And the kid that did the fest was cool and every, everything was really nice. And yeah, the, the reaction was good. And, I mean, I think with Coliseum, I always really was trying to fight off any any category categorization of us being a metal band because that's not really something that I'm into or identify with personally, even though I like, you know, some metal bands, but with photo crime, it like can't be categorized as that. So I don't really care where I play. Like I, it's kind of nice. Like I'll play with a metal band and do a record with a metal label or, or do anything like that. And it doesn't, it feels less like I'm, I don't know, putting myself in a corner I don't want to be in. So yeah, it was cool. And I didn't really think much about the fest either. Like somebody asked me to come play a show. I just looked cool and I did it. So it was great. No, that's awesome. I mean, was he, was he, uh, you know, aware of Coliseum prior to that or just aware of photo crime? I really have no idea. Yeah. My, my agent booked the show and I saw that like you guys are playing and torch and Val played the night before. So people I knew were playing and it seemed cool. I don't really know the promoters, how much he knew of Coliseum. And it's always interesting too. Like I don't make a much about Coliseum with photo crime. I don't mention it a lot, you know, and, and, I don't know, in social media or whatever. So it's interesting when people find that out or, or didn't realize it or all that. It's kind of an interesting thing to see, um, you know, and just how people are about old bands too, how the how people see Coliseum as being something that maybe it wasn't. I mean, people always think it was more popular than it was oh, and stuff yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I get that same thing sometimes. Yeah. Um, actually, that point between Coliseum and Photocrime, I always found that to be a very interesting point in your, you know, musical career because, you know, I've known, like I said earlier, I've known you for decades at this point and I've seen you play in all these different bands and, um, you know, Tombs, our first show is with Coliseum, like back, yeah. but way back when. And I've seen all the different uh, incarnations of Coliseum perform. And towards the last couple of records you were doing, I saw there, I noticed when you guys played with Coalesce, there was um, a gig in Brooklyn at Europa when Coliseum played with Coalesce. It was like a Coalesce yeah. reunion show. And you were performing, uh, at the time it was new material, and I was thinking to myself, I'm like, wow, this is like very interesting to me because it's different than anything you guys had done prior. And I was, um, you know, it wasn't quite exactly maybe you know it was new material so there it was still being um fitted out in a lot of ways and i was thinking about that influence like i almost you know like felt this um you know swerve driver like 90s you know or late 80s kind of thing um you know i might be way off base by saying that but that's to me what i what i was you know starting to have more of like a quote-unquote post-punk sort of like take on it and that's definitely a direction that the band went in, I feel. And then, yeah. so 
I guess the big question for me is why end Coliseum and why start photocrime? It's almost entirely about my perception and how I felt. It's, I mean, to be frank, I miss the photocrime guys. I, I mean, photocrime, the Coliseum guys, Carter and Kahan, the last members of the band, and Carter was a drummer for the last, like, almost 10 years of the band. Um, they, I'm still really close with them. We're in touch all the time, talking about movies and music and anything else. And, and I miss those guys a lot. And I maybe miss playing that music a little bit, but um, mainly uh, Coliseum had been a band for so long that it was like, in my head, the expectation of what things should be and the hopes of what things should be versus the reality was just always so vastly different. And I just couldn't enjoy it anymore. You know, we right. play, I think the last time we played, uh, Brooklyn was in St. Vitus and I think you were there. Yeah, I was uh, definitely there. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, I mean, there were maybe 30, 40 people there, you know, and, and that was, you know, we've been a band for 12 years. We just put out our fifth album. It was on Death Wish. It was getting great press. Um, I mean, you know, we probably sold a thousand shirts in Brooklyn alone over the 12 years of the band. And we're not even getting a hundred people at our shows. And it just, it just wore me out. We were working so hard for so long. And I think people took the band for granted because we worked so hard. I think people just didn't think it wasn't an event when, when we came through and we just never broke through. I mean, bands have to, it's like you and your friend and your friend's friend, like everybody, you know, has to go to a show for you to, for most people to want to go. It's like, it needs to be like, Oh yeah, I'm going to see all my friends down at the show on Friday night. And that takes a lot. And, and a lot of bands don't ever break through to that kind of thing where it's like a social event or whatever. And maybe that's not even good when that happens, but um, yeah, Coliseum is just, it was just endless disappointment. And I could not see, I couldn't see our, our successes. I couldn't, be happy with it at all. I, um, so I just had to stop doing it. I just like, it was, it was honestly making me super miserable and unhappy. And once I stopped that and started a new band with no expectation, and if there's one person at the show, if there's a hundred, I don't, I don't care. You know, for something about Coliseum, I always was insecure about it. I always wanted people to like it. And I always felt I don't know what, I don't know what it was. I, I just, I just was never sure it was good or something, uh, but with photo crime, I, I truly don't give a fuck. Like, I don't care if anybody likes it. I don't care what people think about it. You know, if they like it, that's cool. But like, I have no, I have none of that bullshit that bogged me down with Coliseum because it's new and there's nothing about it that is, uh, there's no pressure. So, um, yeah, it just feels good. And that's, that was, that's the main reason to like enjoy music again and not worry about all the other bullshit. Now you mentioned, um, you know, you, now that there's been some time that can you see some of the successes that you had with the band? And if you could see those successes, what are they in your opinion? Oh yeah. I mean, 
they're endless. I mean, Coliseum played just shy of a thousand shows. We toured Japan, Australia twice, Europe 10 times, um, you know, five albums, tons of EPs, a, a fucking split seven inch with Super Chunk. Like, you know, we recorded with my heroes, played with my heroes, and our last shows with Soul Side, which is one of the bands I grew up loving. Um, yeah, it was just unbelievable. We put out a lot of great music. I mean, I listen to it every once in a while just to kind of, you know, uh, from nostalgia perspective or whatever. And there's shit that Coliseum did that I think is fucking great. I mean, I think the last two albums, Sister Faith and Anxiety's Kiss, are fucking awesome. And I think God Damage is a pretty great hardcore record, you know? So, um, yeah, we did a lot of stuff. I made a lot of friends, I, you know, I, um, endless amounts of things. So I see all that stuff now for sure. And yeah, I just couldn't see it otherwise. So, and I think I appreciate it more not doing it. And, and I don't know if we'll do it again. I mean, uh, you know, every once in a while we talk about it, but I, I don't really, I don't have any drive to do that other than, to see those guys and play music with them. Otherwise I'm very happy, like being out of the Coliseum mindset, but that's also like, kind of like we talked about last time, my, my physical changes, like every, all the changes in my life kind of have happened at the same time. So it's a lot easier for me to be happy and, and more content now than it was then. That's awesome. You know, and when you listen to, I guess the testament of whether or not something is uh, is good in your opinion, you know, in your eyes, is when you go back and listen to it, and it sounds like you don't you don't get disgusted by it. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, because that's that's yeah. kind of how I feel. Like I go back and listen to music I did like 10, 15 years ago, and I'm like, oh my god, I start cringing and everything. <laughs> so that the fact that you can still enjoy it is awesome. It means that there's definitely you know quality there. You know. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, there's stuff that, that I hate that, that we did, and I try not to ever say publicly what that is because I don't want to bum out <laughs> anybody, something that they might like. But, um, and, you know, there are moments that I'm like, oh, I could have done that better or whatever, but overall, I really like it, and I'm proud of it, and I think we we accomplished what we attempted to do, and um, yeah, so it's cool. I mean, it's weird, like, just just erasing the the blueprint it just makes things easier. Something about like the way I sang in Coliseum, I felt like I was never comfortable. And with photo crime, like just, I was just kind of able to start from scratch and like find a voice that felt really comfortable and is, is easy to sing and feels good. And, and so, yeah, I don't know. It's cool, man. It's, it's nice to be in that place. Now you mentioned that you miss seeing those guys. Do you ever think about just playing together and doing something completely different with those uh, the guys, the old Coliseum guys? I've never thought about that, about like just doing a different band or something. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not a bad idea. They, I did ask them the tour that ended up being me solo. Um, the, the, the first photo crime solo tour earlier this year in Europe, I did ask Carter and Kahan to, to do that tour with me because Carter's a great guitar player. He sings and plays guitar in a band called Null. And I asked him to, if he would play guitar and Kahan play bass or vice versa. And because, the other people from photo crime couldn't do it. And I was like, you know, how rad would it be if you guys were just in photo crime for this tour, but neither one of them could do it. Cause they've kind of gotten into like 
a little more like legit life and work kind of scenarios. But um, I don't know. I mean, it's still there. And the problem is they live five hours away. They live in Birmingham, Alabama, and right. I live in Louisville. So it's not as easy as like, you know, let's just meet up. So that's, that's, that's one of the downfalls. But as you know, that's like what happens when you're doing a long-term touring band. It's like eventually you just find the people and, and geography is less important than finding the right person. No, definitely. For sure. That's the case. I mean, I wish that, um, well, actually our situation right now is pretty convenient, but you know, there were, there were periods of time where we had, we had a, you know, a tour, we had members from Washington state, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, we had to fly people in to do the tour and practice and stuff. And that's, you know, it sounds like very rock starish, but sometimes that's the only way you can make things happen, you know? Absolutely. I mean, that's why I'm a solo artist right now, because that's just like through all this stuff in life. I'm like, well, this is how it's going to be. And, you know, from I mean, Tombs has always been your thing. It's like trying to get other people to follow your dream and your mission for no money and no glory is like nearly fucking impossible. So, I, you know, I just I quickly felt like, well, I'm, I can't afford to pay anybody anymore and just going to do this myself because it's unfortunately not that thing when you're like 20 and you and your best friend start a band it, it, that just, as we get old, it just fades away. Yeah, exactly. You know, actually there's a little irony here because, um, you know, after the tombs being a band for over 10 years, finally, it doesn't feel like it's just my thing anymore because of the current, nice. the current lineup we have. Um, it's very hands-on with, with, uh, the creative aspect of things and uh we just recorded a bunch of songs for an ep that's coming out later this year and uh everyone contributed in in a way that's awesome you know the songwriting and uh yeah you know, production ideas like all that stuff so it's like it to me even though the band's been around for over 10 years at this point um it feels like a new band almost you know and it's cool so that's awesome yeah, yeah I, I felt that when i saw you guys as i said in the text like i i felt like that was kind of the most cohesive i've seen the band and like it i don't know it was really pummeling and like everything just sem felt like it was i don't know just kind of like ripping in like just the perfect way uh, the best i'd seen you guys i think oh thanks but i want to talk about you <laughs> so, <laughs> all right <laughs> deflect those uh, you know those are kind words and i appreciate it but um you know everyone out that listens to this show at some point gets to hear me talk about my stuff so all right <laughs> But uh, anyway, uh, so there's been a couple, like you mentioned earlier, you you played solo on the European tour you did. And when I saw you recently, it was just you up there. Yet there have been other incarnations of the band. We have other members. So just kind of take me through uh, the beginning of Photocrime and, you know, your idea, your concept and all that sort of stuff and how you ended up playing with that band, you know, the, that original lineup and then how... And, and what the state is now, is it going to be just you or are you still going to have other musicians involved? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, when Coliseum ended in, in our last show was November, 2015 and pretty much immediately I started writing music with the idea that it was going to be initially going to be like a solo record, like in a more traditional, like solo artist way. And I was really, I was and am really influenced by Mark Lanigan and especially like his last few records that were more electronic based, like Blues Funeral in particular, I really love and 
Sparkle Horse and Portishead, and I was writing music like that that was had electronic elements, but it had I don't know, like maybe like too much of that kind of thing, and that's just it was it was I don't know, it just was not feeling like like me. Um, so I kind of like pushed the band and the sound into more of like a post-punk kind of thing while still exploring like all the you know, electronic elements and analog sequencers and synthesizers and all that stuff. And because I think initially I, I, I really wanted to be totally different from Coliseum, but then kind of ended up being almost just another step in that evolution. I mean, the, you know, photo crime songs could have been Coliseum songs in a way. So, so for about a year I wrote on my own, uh, for a very short time, my friend Will Allard, who's in um, a band called Xerxes, and he was in a, a project called Whips Chains with me. He uh, for a little while he he came in and played guitar, and when he was with me, he didn't write any songs. But then we started practicing the songs I was writing, and that really got the ball rolling for me. And that was like mid 2016. So at the beginning of 2017, I recorded. 13 songs with Jay Robbins and those I, I played all myself. So it's all program drums. Uh, I do all the programming and almost all the synth stuff at home and then take that stuff to the studio and do all the guitar and bass and vocals and mixing. Now, had you um, had uh, experience doing that stuff prior to this? I've been writing Coliseum demos with a drum machine for a long time. Like I actually at some point a few years back kind of went back and cataloged all those and they were, some as early as like No Salvation, like the there's a uh, Coliseum song called Defeater. It's like a D-beat song, and, and I have a demo of that where it's just this extremely like basic two-beat drum machine, like pooch, pooch, and I wrote the whole song like like from start to finish with that beat, and and then from House with a Curse onward, I wrote a lot with with drum machines and programming, and then would give that to the band and let them put their stamp on it, you know, and make them into real beats. So they were never really intended to be heard. But so the time, by the time I started doing the photo crime stuff, I felt pretty comfortable with programming and um, felt like if I put a little more effort into it and kind of focused on it as something that would be heard by people, I could make it work. Um, and it did. Yeah. So while I was in the studio recording, um, Brian Cook from Russian Circles asked me if I wanted to play a couple of shows with them. That was in February when I was recording and the shows were in April. So I didn't have a band. I didn't have, I had a loose idea of how I would perform it live, but um, so I had to kind of get a band together really fast. So I asked Nick Fineman, who is in Young Widows currently, and he also does a band called Fool's Ghost, and he and I have played music together for many years he was in black cross and black god and uh breathe resist his old band with my brother he used to we used to tour coliseum and them all the time so he's like a, a very like long-term trusted close solid friend through music so i asked him to play bass and he asked to play guitar so he started playing guitar and then i asked this uh, woman shelly anderson to play bass she's been playing music around forever and actually like used to intern at initial like initial records when I worked there, like, I don't know, 20 years ago. So, um, so yeah, both of them came on board and we got ready 
for those shows in April with Russian circles. And those were our first shows, April, 2017. Um, but then as the band started touring more, like when we went to Europe, Nick couldn't go to Europe because of family commitments. So my friend, Eric Dino, who used to be in the band kerosene 454, they were like a band, I DC band. I was obsessed with when I was a kid, uh, I asked him to play guitar. And so he did our first two European tours, but then the third tour, Nick couldn't do it, Shelly couldn't do it, and Eric couldn't do it. So rather than find other people, you know, like I said, I asked the Coliseum guys. Um, I just decided to do it myself, and it went really well. I, I kind of think people reacted to it more because it's just me. I think maybe, like, it's – I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know. Maybe it seems more impressive or something, or it just seems different. You know, I heard in Europe, because everyone's so blunt, I heard a lot of, like, I thought that was going to be terrible and I really loved it. So I, you know, I think we kind of, that must've been in Germany, right? That, that yeah, comment. <laughs> exactly. So it was like a lot of German compliments of kind of like, uh, you know, I, I didn't, they didn't know what to expect, but the idea is that it's still like a show. It's still, it's not just me playing guitar, not moving around. I'm very physical when I play and like, there's still lights and stuff like that. And I integrated strobe lights that I controlled my feet. Um, for those solo stuff. And, and so it's been going good. And so I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. There's um, definitely a lot of atmosphere. Like when, you know, the, the one time I saw you was as just you on stage and there's definitely a, um, an atmosphere, which I think is important, you know, like, you know, I, I used to be of the mindset, oh, I just get up there, a bunch of guys and t-shirts and shorts and play. But now I feel like, you know, these days you have to, it's fun and it's interesting to present a picked a full landscape of stuff to people. And I think that that's a, a very big part of why I think like that live, you know, setting for you is so, is so, uh, you know, powerful is that there is this atmosphere that surrounds the, the performance, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that goes back to, I think that's in, you know, I don't know what the word is like. It's part of our perception of music. I mean, all of us grew up being aware of major artists. And once an artist becomes really big, they can have a stage set. They can have lights that they control. They can have backdrops. They can have video. They can have all this shit. And I love that. I mean, I, you know, I like whether it's like the, the like eight foot tall Danzig skull drum riser that Chuck biscuits was on like the early Danzig shows or like, the misfits things back then or, you know, or whatever, like, uh, you know, even kiss like things like that. So I, I kind of love all that stuff. And that's maybe my biggest, um, the thing that I wish the most uh, out of, if I could be a very successful musician and popular is to have the finances to do that stuff. I would love to fucking do that, man. Like, you know, I've tried my best. Coliseum did it in the, in the later years. Like, tried hard to to make an atmosphere, make it be a vibe and a, and a performance and an event. I mean, I see a lot of bands, especially bands with drum machines, that I think are good, and then I see them play, and they're just fucking boring. Yeah, totally. they're just like there's there's two people, two to five people standing on stage, and there's no nothing interesting, and it's just people just kind of looking down at their shoelaces and like it's just not cool to me like i want to see a thing like if someone's going to see the music it should be an event and 
especially when you have a full band with drums and everything, there's a lot to focus on and a lot to see. But with me, I feel like smoke and lights and all that kind of shit is, is it's fun. And it also hopefully, like you said, creates like an atmosphere when I play. And, and for me, it's fun because I, I feel like I step outside of myself. It's part of the stuff I was saying before where I, it's nice to not feel like I'm just Joe Schmo standing on stage. Like I feel like it's, Aside from my normal personality, I go on stage and I, and I am something different for that period of time. And it's really fun for me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that that's, I mean, getting into, you know, I mean, I think about this stuff a lot is like the kind of ritualistic, like the act of performing and the act of the crowd, you know, that whole energy transfer and you know, almost becoming like this sort of atavistic, you know, version of yourself or, or a different, you know, like entity when you're playing live, you know what I mean? I know that sounds like very dramatic and everything, but there's a lot to it. You know, I think the fact that like, you know, if you're on tour and you're exhausted all day, then you, you put on whatever you're going to wear on stage and suddenly you feel energized and you're, you get on stage and the lights start changing and you plug into your gear and it's like ready to go and you become a different a different animal, like a different, you know, sort of machine that can, can execute the set, you know what I mean? And, and perform and you have a different feeling, you know what I mean? And it's like, you know, there's, there's, um, that's not to be made light of, I think, you know, and I think that this whole aspect of photo crime that you're touching on is, is a very important, uh, realization to have when it comes to, you know, evolving into a different sort of musical entity. No, I agree. I mean, that's that's part of the idea with the music. And, and yeah, like you're saying, I mean, even going on tour, period, like there's so much of it that's shitty and or maybe not shitty, but mind numbing or, or boring or whatever. But like you feel like a different person. You're not like a civilian going through your normal day like you're on this mission. And I always feel like kind of weirdly invincible on tour you know like yeah, i feel no, i hear you i feel more confident i feel more you know you, you especially this past tour what i did when i was playing solo and playing bass for cripple black phoenix like i felt like i felt like i was at my absolute peak as a human being it was weird i was just like this is kind of amazing like i'm pushing myself to the limit and i'm feeling great and it was fucking awesome you know and and there's never a point when i'm like just wasting time or there's like the, the, I don't know. I just felt like I was really fully highly functioning. And then that's, that's nice. And like what you're saying too, is the connection with the audience and the music. And that's something about playing solo that I didn't anticipate. And is really amazing is just how direct of a connection it is. I mean, there's nobody else there, but me. Yeah. And like from, you know, maybe even from an ego standpoint, like every eye is on me and it's, it's, pretty fucking wild man it was like i'd never thought about that never experienced that before and it was liberating it felt good and, and it felt like this absolute like absolute direct connection with the audience in a way i'd never felt before even though i've been the front man for bands for a long time and it was fucking cool i really really liked that and appreciated that so the first time you performed with just you know as a solo um entity was that that was in Europe, right? Uh, I did a show at home okay. a few days before I went to Europe, so I did one warm-up gig at like a, a club down the street from my house. Okay, so now this is the question: How did it feel when you played 
for the first time alone on stage in Louisville versus the <laughs> first time you did it by yourself in Europe? It's hard to say. I mean, I think at home I was, I was, I had a, a little more like apprehension, of course, because it's like everybody that knows me and, you know, your friends don't think you're cool. You know, they just think you're this person they know, you know, exactly, it's like yeah. there's no artifice there. And at the same time, I have a really amazing, huge supportive group of friends like personal friends and music community people and stuff like that here. So it was a really warm environment. It's like a really small room at this club, like in my neighborhood. I mean, literally at the end of my block. And so it felt really good. Like it felt nice and people were very supportive and it, and it, it helped me feel prepared for this crazy new thing. Then in Europe, the first show was actually at, um, in, uh, God, what's the name of the town? Scunthorpe, England, where we practiced for the week. For a week, it's like the closest town to where the main Cripple Black Phoenix dude lives. Mm-hmm. And that show, like, the fog machine set off the fire alarm before oh, yeah. during the sound check, so I couldn't use the fog machine. And it was my first night playing without a PA behind me, and I just used the monitors, the drum machine, and everything. And I was using Cripple Black Phoenix's amps, and it was a it was a fucking I don't know, just like a total trial by fire, just like super nervous, very felt very uncomfortable. I mean, I still had the lights and all that, but it went went well. And so the whole tour was a little bit crazier than the first show because the first show I had all my equipment and was in a place I was comfortable with. Whereas in Europe, it was like something totally different every day and like vastly different stages and stuff like that. Um, and even now, like the show I saw you I saw you in Denver. That was my second time going direct with guitar. So now I'm using no amps on stage. Oh, wow. So I didn't realize that. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so that's a whole new crazy thing that I'm getting used to. Um, but is really good because I can travel lighter. I'm not bound by amps and weird mixes and, for me with like so many tracks and drum machine and keyboard and all that stuff to have the guitar going through the PA integrates the sound more. Um, it was sounding weird sometimes with, with like guitar amps on stage, but maybe if you were really close to the stage, you were hearing too much guitar, not enough drum machine and things like that. So now it's all coming out of the same signal path throughout the whole room. And that's, it definitely sounds better. Wow. You know, I didn't even notice that you, I, mean, I guess cause there was backline stuff behind you. Yeah, um, I just assumed you were plugged into one of those amps. Oh, that's well. That's if it trip. fooled you, then I then I worked. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> the first show I did, uh, I opened for uh, Jawbox's first show back in Baltimore, and and a bunch of friends were there from Baltimore and DC area, like music people. And they didn't know; they thought I was playing through the amps that night. So, if it fools a guitar player, then I'm doing okay, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's a trip, man. That's um, wow, I can't even imagine. But that's like that's 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 what that's the kind of world we live in now, man. It's like, um, all of these things, like even we were talking about atmosphere and stage production, that's all within everyone's grasp right now is to do things in a way that they want to do them in, in a, in a relatively inexpensive fashion. You know what I mean? Like these days you can put together a stage rig like that. 
and not have to like spend, you know, thousands of dollars on lighting and programming the lights. And you can run a lot of stuff right off of a laptop these days. Yeah. I mean, and you know, I've always uh, avoided using a laptop on stage. Like I don't, I don't personally like seeing a computer on stage. Like if it's by the drummer, I think it's okay. But, um, you know, like the, the era you and I come from, like, I don't know if you're a fan of the VSS, but like yeah, I remember definitely. seeing them and like Sonny control all the lights from like a little podium and that kind of thing, like Ink and Dagger and Botch and all these bands that use lights in a really cool way. Like they mostly had other people doing it, but that idea of just like, you know, it's become co-opted now, but, but DIY is like, that's integral in my brain. And it's like, I don't want to, I mean, I'm using a drum machine and tracks, so, like, I'm bound by, like, you know, computers to a certain extent, but, like, I I want to have all these things hands-on hands on and, like, create them. And, like, like, the lights I have that I'm flying with are, like, shitty, shitty, like, work lights from Home Depot that I've taped up and put, you know, put, put uh, gels on, and, you know, and they, and they look like something after all that. And, like, I see music as like an arts and crafts project. I mean, that like designing shirts and making records and all that. I guess I just see it as this, this whole piece of art. Like when you play live, like how a guitar looks, every fucking little bit of it is like, to me, tactile and real and like all part of the same thing because we came from punk. Whereas like we understood Raymond Pettibone drew black flag covers and we like understood that, tactile nature of how it all worked together and i think that's really important and like really fun to me uh if that that makes sense yeah it definitely makes sense i mean that's um you know another another thing that's interesting about that too is like how many people that from from that sort of diy scene have gained all these skills to do these things and have turned that into like a business or some sort of like other career that most likely wouldn't have arisen had they not gotten into the DIY, like punk and hardcore scene. You know, you gain all these skills. It's not just like, I play guitar. You play guitar, you, you know, you know, you print, you screen print shirts, you do all this other stuff, you know, or you're involved in like uh, the legwork behind the scenes, like all that stuff. It's like you gain like on the job training by being involved in a DIY band. Absolutely, man. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's since I was a, teenager basically that's been my whole life is like worked at independent labels and now own shirt killer and design records and shirts for bands and do my own stuff and like yeah it's pretty amazing that it can become something more i mean the, the thing i think about that is like if only more punks had become like doctors you know it's <laughs> like I, I actually feel like there are like punk rock lawyers out there but like i, I feel like if we had had the foresight to really, because there's a million of us that make shirts and that that's true, record records and whatever. But like if we had like a, a punk doctor in every town who you could go pay an affordable price to, to have health coverage or whatever. Like, you know, I think we, we've done a pretty good job of like having this spread out punk web throughout the world. But then there's certain things that we like didn't fully go into that, that, we would actually probably benefit more from, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, you can get like a punk rock haircut, of course, and a punk rock <laughs> tattoo. But like, you know, if I could get like a punk rock 
open heart transplant. You know, we'd be really in business, you know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> so with, um, with, with photo crime, what records, what releases do you guys have? Or do you, do you have out to, <laughs> to date? And are you available on all the streaming services right now? I think so. Yeah. I think everything is everywhere. Like I don't, I don't do Spotify, but I, I do know it's, it's there. Um, so the first record was the always hell seven inch, um, which is three songs. And then the next release was a European release called always night. That is three new songs on side a, and then always hell and a remix on side B. That was a 12 inch. Um, and then the third release is the principle of pain full length, um, which I put out in the States and the label called golden antenna put out in Europe. And so that's, that's it so far. Um, and then I'm currently writing and have, uh, recorded part of my next album. And it's going to be a full length, another, another LP or, or yeah, that'll be another LP and that'll come out in the in spring of next year. I've recorded four songs. I've never done this before. It just kind of happened to record a couple songs in London. I was there with some time off hanging out after tour and was like feeling this kind of like psychotic post tour, like anxiety of like, you know, you're moving 110 miles an hour, then you just stop. And I was like, I have to do something music related <laughs> in this week while I'm here. Yeah. So I, I booked a date and recorded the two new songs I've been playing on tour and then recorded a couple other songs with Jay Robbins when I went up to play that Jawbox show a few weeks ago. And um, now I'm, you know, writing the rest of the record and, and putting that all together. I'm going to do a day with Albini, oh, wow. Steve Albini. Um, I'm going to do like live drum tracks um, with that. Um, so I can do like maybe three or four songs live with, with live drums. And then I fly the next day with the tape to Jay studio in Baltimore and in there for a week and do the rest of the stuff. And we're going to try some weird shit there. Like, uh, Jay's putting together like a few players. Um, I'm kind of not, well, I wouldn't say I'm obsessed, but I'm, I'm really intrigued by that idea of like those records that are kind of like producer made, mm -hmm. like PIL album and like, a lot of the, the uh, Tony Visconti stuff with David Bowie and like uh, the Peter Gabriel stuff, you know, I mean, he kind of where like one person kind of orchestrates the music, but isn't necessarily playing it or maybe not even writing it. Um, yeah. I think that uh, was that David, David Bowie closer. I think that was like almost like a Trent Reznor record. I think that he was yeah. behind that whole thing and Bowie just kind of like layered his thing on top of it. Exactly. I mean, and apparently the last, the last Bowie record was kind of like that where they just got these players in and kind of let them do their thing. And he kind of guides it. And I know PIL album I'm, I'm spacing on the, um, producer, but like that one, there's like ginger bakers on drums oh, wow. and Damn. Steve Vai is on guitar and, and John Lydon doesn't come in until like the tracks are done basically. And, um, so we're going to do a day of players in the Baltimore and DC area and kind of like, come up you know have some general ideas and kind of let them do thing and and we'll play with them a little bit jay and i will and and then kind of shape it see if it shapes into song so it might be nothing might, might come of it or, or something might but i i really like that idea it's um 
it's what like Coliseum always called it um, non songs. Like we we would always try to write these these non songs, like non like not really structured, and we just weren't good at it. I'm not really good at that. Like I really am obsessed with Crime in the City Solution, and their songs are like just a very like. I don't know. They're like water, you know, yeah, they just kind of move along. Like there's barely they're, anything they're, there, but there's this like thin, like string that kind of links everything together. You know? Exactly. Yeah. There's like a, I mean, and, and Nick cave has gotten into that in the last few records. And I really like that too. Like I like, there might be a little theme they might come back to, but you know, that's usually done by people that have time to be in a studio for a long time and make a record in the studio. And I never have that time. So, uh, Coliseum tried to do that a little bit and we have a couple songs kind of like that, but um, kind of trying to do that, see what, see what happens with that. Um, so I don't know. I've got like a million ideas and, and like we're saying, it was like music is just about the experience and about the seeing what you can do. You know, to me, it's like recording records. I care more about the time, the good time I have making the record than the outcome, if that makes sense. Like I want it to sound great, but like in the end, I think about those times. Like that's, I think about the magic of making the record in like that period of time more than I think about what the songs sound like. So that's kind of what I'm going after and trying to like, like I said, I feel freed. I don't really give a fuck about what anybody thinks about it. So I, I really, want to try these ideas that I've had. I mean, like one of the fucking new songs that I've already recorded, I played like slap bass on it. So that's awesome, you know, just man. like, just like things I've never done. I'm like, I like the sound of this. Can I accomplish this? You know, what's, what's it going to be like? Um, so yeah, it's fun. I don't know. So I'm, I'm the recording stuff starts in the beginning of September and I'm like fully in like insane songwriting mode. You know, I've been like working on, 10 seconds of a song for three days now. It's <laughs> like, I would be, yeah, as my brain's kind of fried on that right at the moment. Yeah, man. September's right around the corner. <laughs> yeah, I fucking know. I'm like, I'm really good at writing songs right at the last second. But since I'm having other people involved, I, I, I have to get them the songs beforehand. So I, it's I'm kind of like, kind of freaking out a little bit. Like, but I don't know. It'll be fine. Before we go on, I have to make a correction to what I said earlier. The Bowie record that I was referring to is called Outside, not Closer. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's uh, someone, you know, before someone gets excited out there and <laughs> sends me a, a DM or something like that, I just wanted to you know, clarify that. Is that the one with, is the song called like I'm Afraid of Americans or something like that? I believe it's on that. Also that uh, I'm Deranged. That, um, okay. That uh, the one from the the Lost Highway soundtrack. Uh, soundtrack. Oh, nice. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's like a very Reznor esque like vibe to it with a lot of break beats yeah. and everything. And then some of my favorite Bo Bowie like vocal lines are on that record. You know. That's cool. I, I should revisit that record. I, I listened to like those songs when they were out, but I've never gone back to it. Yeah, it's one of those records that. I'm sure it sold like a million copies, but it's like right. one, one of those records that people, they're not go-to, you know, uh, albums for a lot of people from his right. catalog, you know, but they're, those later years had some good stuff on it, you know, I think. It was, yeah. I mean, I, th I think, I think this that last record was amazing. Yeah. But yeah. I think, yeah, there's a lot of great stuff. Yeah. It made me sad. I, I remember like the, 
you know, for so I don't, you know, I never met the guy. I don't know him. But when I found out that he passed away, I was like, it hit me kind of hard. It kind of bummed me out for the whole day, really. Absolutely, man. I'll tell you who, when Iggy Pop dies, I think like part of my soul will die. I don't yeah. know. Like he, he feels like the, you know, I mean, he's like the whatever, like, you know, he's, he's like almost ground zero of punk, you know, he's like so much the, the like epicenter of so many things I love and I love yeah. his music so much. I, I maybe like him, his music, I maybe mean, list, listen to records of his more now than I ever have in my life. And like, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, we're all going to go sooner or later, but like, he feels like one that is inevitable and <laughs> will just be crushing. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. And, you know, and also just to, you know, he, he's also someone who doesn't never really seem to give a fuck about, you know, his, what, whether or not people liked his music either, you know what I mean? No. And there's so many, he, if you look at his catalog, it's, it's tremendous. It's huge. And there's like, it is records that, you know, you, you don't even think about that weren't maybe not as successful, you know, but had stuff on there where he was definitely pushing it. And that kind of fits in what you were saying about like how, you know, you're trying new things all the time. And that's, I always felt like, like Iggy was never afraid to try new things, you know, like, and, and no, yeah. you know, it's something I've always admired about. I mean, I'm not a fan of every record, but I, I, the overall body of work is something that's probably just by the sheer volume of it is something that is like in my, like, small sphere of respect for music you know for really really superlative uh you know artists you know what i mean absolutely man yeah i mean it's it's unbelievable what all he's done and the impact it made and and he's kind of like i was saying too like i, I don't i was thinking the other day like uh, he's not really a songwriter i mean i think he writes lyrics but like he's a guy that someone else usually guides the music to a record and that's always interesting to me too like how many different things he's done and and um i don't know i've been kind of obsessed with the new values record recently like kind of revisiting it and kind of relearning it because i kind of i bought it 20 years ago and like dismissed it and i'm like really pumped on that record right now and, and it's interesting and like this guy scott thurston wrote most of the music on that and like i don't know it's just it's really wild to me like artists very singular artists who don't write their own music you know like that's yeah that's kind of fucking mind blowing. And I know there are a lot of people like that, like singers. And, uh, it's really interesting to see, see their traje trajectory and Iggy's like, even though it all, it always has that very Iggy thing about it, but there's like this crazy wide variety of music. So it's, it's fucking cool. Yeah. He just sort of injects his, uh, his personality into the thing, you know, and, and, uh, it's like this intangible substance that gets laid on the top of everything, you know? And it's yeah. like, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I, you know, like I said, we just finished recording, and not not to, you know, to deflect back to myself on this thing, but it's <laughs> like, but you know, we were uh, we were in that mode, that that analytical mode of of tracking, and 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 like, you know, the stuff that we try to do has a lot of um, you know technical sort of elements to it, and uh, and I just remember sitting in the studio and listening to like the the rhythm guitars and the drums, and I'm like there's like no per where, where's like the at that point you're at this thing of like where's this the the personality of this fucking song you know what i mean because right. it's like all you're hearing is like a click track and like these drums and like the this you know pick attack on the guitars and i'm just like 
like when when does that actual intangible thing get laid into the music where it just couldn't be anybody you know what i mean and that's what i think like iggy like if you take him out of the mix it's like maybe except for the stooges the stooges were all personality and attitude and everything but like on some of the records which were were put together in the studio with different you know musicians you know studio players it's like it's not until he steps in and i think the same to be said for david bowie too that it's a it's a bowie or an iggy song it becomes their song when they lay in that personality that intangible like viscous material that they put in there you know that glues everything together yeah i mean and a lot of that is is voice i mean if you're talking about your songs like once your voice comes into it that's when it makes it absolutely your music and that's kind of how i felt for a long time like that that was something that we always kind of thought about coliseum music is like well is this a coliseum song like all these different things and eventually i was like if I'm singing on it, it's a Coliseum song. Right. And that's how I feel about Photochrome. I'm like, if I sing on it, it's me. Like I'm making all these, this music and all these sounds, whether it comes from a guitar or a bass or a keyboard or whatever. But when, when my voice is on it, that's 100% me. And that's what makes this my song. It's kind of why I've never done an instrumental song. Like, I, I don't know. Like I, I'm, you know, I feel like the voice is for me personally, what generally makes music, personal and connected in a human way yeah i mean that's that's the personality and that's like the thing that is in you know the voice isn't necessarily like a technical instrument in a lot of ways it's exactly you know i mean you can be one of these singers who can hit all these notes and you know execute everything perfectly but the guys that we're talking about you know iggy david bowie you know nick cave that's not who they are they they have a this loose personality that they inject into the songs and that's ultimately what i think most people respond to is that you know the vibe like the feelings the emotion you know that kind of impact yeah absolutely i mean i do respect people like iggy or whoever who have that whatever that cadence is in their voice Mm -hmm. they bring it to every song like um, you know maybe i do it in my music but it's just because it's me i can't see it but i like iggy is a perfect example where like from the first song like the first stooges song and he does different things throughout the years but essentially he's always the same you know and that's yeah that's cool to me like that's what makes a great singer and i always am like fuck how do i always be me and not just be me in different characters or me injecting into a different song like and and maybe it is always me but like it's I love that. I love when you can absolutely hear that voice and know who that person is. I mean, that's, that's the ultimate, that's the ideal as a singer, I think. Yeah, totally, man. That's like, uh, you know, that's, that's the goal. Yeah. So now, um, as far as like people, like, you know, getting, finding you online, you know, like listening to music, do you got, you know, do you have Bandcamp and all that sort of stuff? You want to give, give everyone a rundown on like, you know, where they can learn about tour dates, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's there's photocrime.com, which is, you know, has links to everything applicable, has tour dates and all that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, the Bandcamp is, to me, like the preferred source for the music. You can order the records there and and all that. And so that's it, yeah, photocrime.bandcamp.com. It's F-O-T-O. Um, and, yeah, that's it. Those are the spots, I think, you know, and it's everywhere else. I'm not, I don't 
I'm bad about social media and all that kind of shit, but all that stuff exists. It's just not really something I care too much about. Now, aside, I know you got recording around the corner, but uh, later in the year, do you got any any tour plans or any any live stuff coming up after that? I'm just no. I'm just playing a few shows. I'm playing a couple shows in August. Um, I'm playing. Let's see. Um, August 10th, I'm playing here in Louisville at a club called Kaiju, and the 11th, I'm playing at the Empty Bottle in Chicago. And that's all I have planned. I'm kind of mainly focusing on trying to have tours happening for next year when the album comes out. Um, but yeah, hopefully some other things will pop up, but I'm not, I'm mainly focusing on the songwriting for now. Are you going to continue at least for the foreseeable future as just a solo entity, or do you see yourself at some point bringing back, you know, a bass player or a drummer or that kind of thing? It honestly depends on the logistics and the finances. I mean, I don't see the band immediately jumping into some kind of scenario where we're getting paid a lot more money. Um, but if we were, then yes. I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's, it's a financial decision, a logistical decision, which is part of the thing with punk rock, you know, economy, yeah. like the economy is part of the art. So, um, for it to be a new band that doesn't get paid a lot and, you know, scheduling is hard and all that kind of stuff. It just makes sense for it to be me and people respond to it well. Um, so I think it'll just be whatever. And I, I honestly kind of like the idea that you don't know what you'll get. You know, one day you might see <laughs> these people and you don't know who else might be on stage with me. I mean, I've thought about having a keyboard player instead of a second guitar player or who knows. Cool. I mean, I've, yeah, I've thought about just singing, you know I mean? So, I think we'll just see what happens, and I like that idea of it of it ever changing. But um, yeah, certainly the, the the plan for now is solo, so which I which I like. I mean, it, you know, rolling solo is pretty fucking incredible. Yeah, I've I've always fantasized about doing something like that. Honestly, you know? yeah, man. You know, it's you know that's cool. That's great. One of the um, I don't, are you familiar with the band Six Finger Satellite? Yes. Yeah. Uh, back in the day, that was a band that you never knew what you were going to get when you went to go see them, because like yeah, I never saw them. I, I well, when I lived in Boston in the '90s, you know, they were based in Providence, so they right. would play relatively frequently up in Boston, and I saw them maybe three, four, five, about five times, maybe opening for the Jesus Lizard one time, and then a bunch of times uh, on their own headlining, and literally one time I saw them, it was the singer, two guys playing Moog, Moog and a drum machine. Then another time it was like a full band, you know, and then another time I saw them, there were like three guitar players on stage and like the singer was playing synths and singing. And it was like all different every single time. Yeah. And I think that's, that's exciting. Cool. That's real exciting. Yeah. Yeah. But I uh, love that. I mean, I love, I love bands that I listen to that, some records are drum machines, some aren't. And I'm always kind of like, is this real or not? And yeah, I like that idea, man. And so, yeah, I think I may explore that more in the future. That's, that's exciting. I did not know that about six feet or satellite. I thought they were always kind of like a standard band set up. No, nah, I mean, yeah, they, I've seen different, so many different iterations of that band. And, uh, you know, even their records have a lot of different, you know, sounds and different sort of like vibes on from record to record, you know, that's awesome. 
Yeah, they that, them and um, Green Magnet School I thought were great bands from that era. I don't know Green Magnet School. Oh man, oh there there's a record if you can find it on Sub Pop called Blood Music, and okay. um, I play that on my show sometimes. Tracks off of that record, and hopefully other people get you know catch on to it. And they're they're like, um, you know, early '90s, not really like a Sub Pop band, like referencing like more uh, kraut rock type stuff. But okay. uh, but with like a, a noise rock vibe to it, you know. Nice. Yeah, very very cool band. Yeah. Okay, I'll check it out. That's awesome. But thanks for your uh, giving me so much of your time this evening. I appreciate it. And uh, absolutely, always a pleasure. it for this week's episode of Metal Matters, a Gimme Radio weekly podcast. Tune in next week to see what we have in store for you. The show is available on all streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, etc. Also, be sure to check out Gimme Radio streaming on the web, iOS, or Android for one of the best metal communities, exclusive merch, interviews with artists, and so much more. I'll catch you guys next week. Take care.